Hello and welcome to another episode of AI Buzz. My name is Nick. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode. I'm going to come at you with some stories from the world of machine learning and artificial intelligence. Let's get started. Among the most famous literary giants of all time, William Shakespeare stands as one of a kind. Studied in English classrooms across the country more than 400 years after his death, Shakespeare has left a profound mark on literature. Hamlet, Macbeth, Romeo, and Juliet are just some of the works that are considered to be true cornerstones. Shakespeare was also traditionally considered to be the author of a play called Henry VIII. In the famous turn of events where Henry divorces his wife Catherine and marries Anne Boleyn, Anne then gives birth to a princess who is said will achieve greatness one day. This work is still relevant today, though there have been doubts about whether Shakespeare was the sole author. There are many theories abound about who wrote pieces of the play. First discovered by British scholar James Spedding, key features of the play cannot be attributed to Shakespeare alone. Spedding discovered that the ways that sentences have ended are drastically different between Shakespeare and another prevalent author at the time, John Fletcher. The initial tip was that there is two different types of ways that the lines end, stressed and unstressed syllables. In the English language, each word has one syllable that's stressed more than the rest. A word that ends with a stressed syllable is compete. A word that does not end with a stressed syllable is inspiration. For more information on enunciation of words, stressed syllables, unstressed syllables, there's some great resources online. I encourage you to check them out. A new work published on the archive shows that machine learning can assist in verifying the correct author by using some of these literary signatures. The authors in this article used the support vector machine technique to find the number of clusters present in this play which represent the number of different authors. Due to each author's signature style, the model can detect this based on hundreds of different attributes. The author of the article, Plechak, performed support vector machines and used 500 lines of the most commonly occurring stressed or unstressed syllables as well as 500 of the most commonly used words throughout the play. The support vector machine model was used to classify scenes into different author groups. Think of the support vector machine model with a 2D case first. Consider a set of data with X and Y components with two clusters that appear to be separate. The SVM model is going to work to find the line that creates the biggest separation or margin between the two clusters. Similarly, in the 3D case, a plane is found that creates the separation between clusters in the largest way possible. However, when you're dealing with huge data sets such as this, the plane must be computed mathematically as it can't be visualized in three dimensions. Separate models were created for the versification, so that's the stressed versus unstressed syllable study that I talked about above, as well as the words-based model. The versification model achieved 88% accuracy in determining the correct author based on standalone works. Accuracy for the words-based model was much higher across the board. Once it was verified that the author could be reliably determined in separate works, the algorithm was applied to Henry VIII. The main finding of the author of the archive article was that a rolling attribution chart showing who contributed more to different scenes in the work Looking at this article now, he has purple attributed to Shakespeare and green attributed to Fletcher. It really looks mixed between different scenes. It seems that certain scenes Shakespeare had written 
while others Fletcher had written. Final findings of the article that was published in the archive is largely in agreement with Spedding's analysis done over 100 years ago. This is just one of the many examples of using machine learning to identify authorship. There's a bunch of tutorials and examples online of how machine learning languages can be used to do things like determine authorship of a horror novel from text snippets or determine similarity between news articles using techniques such as linear discriminant analysis. These can be done with extremely high accuracy. Machine learning shows time and time again that it's a key tool for the detective work that needs to take place to determine the true creator behind pieces of work. Algorithms can analyze and pick up on subtle similarities between different objects. While this work confirms theories that have been proposed for over 100 years, similar methods could be used on older ancient works to determine authorship. Next up... As artificial intelligence becomes more advanced and widespread, there's a concurrent discussion about how the technology is going to fit in with the labor market. Some, such as commercial truck drivers, say that the technology will eliminate their jobs. Others, such as academics and creatives, claim that they'll still be relevant for years to come. In this review, I'm going to talk about the jobs that are and aren't safe from AI. One of the most famous computer scientists in artificial intelligence right now is Kai-Fu Lee. Li recently released a book about how China is the leading AI superpower. Well, Li wrote a piece in Time magazine discussing the different challenges that AI will present to the labor market. He states that there are certain categories that AI will not be able to touch in our labor markets. Some of these involve creative work, political positions, caretaking jobs, as well as a whole new realm of jobs that are going to be created by AI. Dr. Lee states that jobs that require true creativity will not be outsourced by AI. He states that AI cannot invent, though there's certainly some counterexamples that I will discuss later to that statement. Perhaps what he means is, will humans be interested in the creative work of an AI? Well, the answer is yes in a few cases. There's a tweet from the Christie's auction house that shows an AI-generated art piece selling for $432,000. This shows that humans are, in fact, very interested in the work of an artificial intelligence. I'm also tempted to argue that artificial intelligence could create better policies, since it could analyze data points from vastly different fields and assimilate these and use them to make decisions, an artificial intelligence in politics would also not be tempted to make decisions based on re-election probability or influence from political money. Political positions likely will remain human due to the public's fear of the AI creating policies to eliminate us. A study by the Center for the Governance of Change studied people from eight countries and how they felt about AI taking over policymaking. Almost half the people from the countries studied believe that AI should not oversee policy creation. Caretaking jobs will likely never be taken over by an AI. People relate to people. An AI, no matter how advanced and human-like it seems, lacks human emotions. Caretaking jobs, such as daycare instructors or some in the healthcare field, will likely always be human occupations. One of the best things that will happen to the labor market after artificial intelligence penetrates each aspect of our lives will be the new fields that the job market creates because of artificial intelligence. 
Some experts are saying that there will be hundreds of thousands of new jobs created, such as ethical AI investigators, which would investigate models and the biases that they contain for companies, as well as man-machine project managers. So I've described what types of jobs are safe. Well, what then isn't safe? Unfortunately, the answer is pretty much everything not covered by those categories. Given enough time, many categories will pretty much be rendered obsolete. Policies in place, jobs can be maintained by humans, but machines will surely develop the know-how. I'll discuss three cases now where artificial intelligence is already making huge splashes in traditionally human fields. Companies like Shazam can use machine learning to find similarities between the track you're trying to identify and their library of millions of songs. One of the updates this year from OpenAI won't exactly assist humans in identifying songs. It will compose completely new ones. OpenAI released MuseNet, which can synthesize completely new songs after processing songs in that style. The model from OpenAI relies on a transformer model, which can predict the next note in a sequence of musical notes. It can create in 15 different styles, such as classical or contemporary. What's crazy about most deep learning models is that these models don't understand music in the same way that humans do. They are purely analyzing the waveforms of these songs, and they search for patterns of different rhythms and styles between songs. These models are good enough where the creations do not stick out. I think in many cases, if you were to show a non-expert some of the generated songs, they would not be able to tell the difference. The gap between the generated pieces and authentic pieces is going to continue to close. I'm curious to see how society begins to accept this type of AI-generated work. Another area that AI is infiltrating is that of graphic design. So masks are concepts in photo editing software that allow selecting a very tight outline around the object that you're interested in, then extracting that object so that it can be used as part of a multi-layered images that you stack up. The company Topaz has recently released Max AI, which uses computer vision to create masks from objects and photographs. The technology uses a three-level approach in order to create these masks. There's an automatic mask that the user applies, and then the AI identifies the main object in the photograph. Next level is to manually tune what's what it's identified in those regions. A broad brush allows the user to include additional pieces from the main object that the auto mask did not detect. Lastly, a fine brush can completely optimize the region where you want mask AI to analyze. Pushing the button compute does a fantastic job of extracting the main subject of the photos from high noise backgrounds. There's a great YouTube video from Ryan Mentz that shows the program in action. Using three different photos of birds with background of different complexity, Mask AI did a comparable job to Photoshop in creating those masks. The creators behind the software believe that it has the same capability as Photoshop, but with much less manual work required by the user. After the mask is created, there's a lot of standard photo editing tools that can be applied to the images, such as softness adjustment. Automating this mask creation takes away a large part of the graphic designer's job, and there's worries that this field could be hit hard with the increasing spread of AI. In the United Kingdom, AI is starting to be used during interviews with the company HireVue. 
The goal of the software that HireVue creates is to track the candidates' faces during the interview process and detect expression, language nuances, and tone. The CTO of the company states that there's approximately 350 features that are looked at in an interviewer's language, things like word choice or sentence length. The software also looks at tone, so parameters such as speed indicate whether a candidate will be good at sales or customer service. The software also raises a lot of ethical questions, where there could foreseeably be a bias against gender or those with disabilities. People do not like this approach to hiring one bit. A civil rights group in Seattle is filing a federal complaint against HireVue. The group claims that since the models are private, people don't know how their biometric data is being used in the hiring process. However, as the application and openness of these algorithms gets ironed out, and that's ensured that no bias leaks into the model, I believe that machines could actually be our best bet for not discriminating during interviews and choosing candidates based on pure qualifications for the position. Artificial intelligence impresses us more each day. As it becomes more advanced, it will begin to displace existing jobs. That's just a fact. Experts claim that jobs that are displaced will transition instead to new jobs that are centered around facilitating and maintaining these AI systems and infrastructure. One thing is certain, it will be fascinating to see how humans integrate with AI in the coming years. Next up, the world of computing is becoming exciting. On so many frontiers, new discoveries appear to be happening all the time. Concurrently, climate change is a topic that's frequently discussed. Seldom are the two really ever talked about together. When we think of climate change, we think of tractor trailers emitting plumes of black smoke or coal-fired power plants doing the same. Computing actually needs to be thought of in the same way, as 64% of the electricity that powers things such as data centers comes from coal or natural gas, according to the EPA. As computing becomes more prevalent in our world, some, but not nearly all, companies are beginning to think about their environmental impact as well. Current solutions are typically to switch the sources that power the data centers to renewable energy sources. Development of inherently low computational cost algorithms are not usually thought about. The factors that matter today in the world of computing is speed. Whether that's for computing recommendation for a movie faster or pulling your friend list from a database, speed is the main optimizing factor. As chip technology improves in accordance with Moore's law, more transistors will fit onto the chip, but there are increased problems with power requirements due to the need to supply these components with electricity. One analysis by the Semiconductor Industry Association found that it is likely that following this trend, computers are going to require more power than the current world energy supply by the year 2040. Bitcoin has been in the news for being the world's first cryptocurrency. First described in the Bitcoin white paper by Satoshi Nokomoto, Bitcoin is a distributed ledger for recording transactions. In later years, numerous alternative cryptocurrencies have sprung up. These are aptly named altcoins. They can run full applications in the blockchain in a distributed fashion. Those developing and supporting the technology are fearful that a tech giant such as Google could become too powerful and instead wish to democratize tasks such as internet search. In order to secure the Bitcoin network, there are Bitcoin miners who much 
verify the transactions that take place. To do this, specialized mining hardware eventually had to be developed. The only goal in mind was to become faster at creating hashes, since creating these hashes faster gives a higher probability of returning on your initial investment and then profiting. Some Bitcoin miners even moved where electricity was cheaper so that they could set up entire mining farms. Something such as this could wreak absolute havoc on our environment. Fortunately for now, Bitcoin does not seem to be universally used. Only an estimated 5% of the United States owns Bitcoin and a much smaller amount actively transact with it. Machine learning poses a much bigger problem. It is very widespread. Machine learning consists of two main phases, training and inference. The inference phase is the prediction task that's done after the model has been identified. The object that a prediction is needed on is fed to this new model and a prediction is created, either classified or regressed to find a predicted value or class. Inference is not computationally hard for each run, but done enough times that computational costs can add up. Contrast this with training, which is extremely expensive. Researchers have attempted to study the energy impact of machine learning. One study showed the breakdown of carbon dioxide emissions for common tasks such as air travel for a passenger from New York to San Francisco and found that this journey emitted 1,984 pounds of carbon dioxide. The authors compared these amounts to the amount of carbon dioxide emitted for training and experimenting with a natural language processing pipeline and found that the natural language processing process emitted almost 40 times as much carbon dioxide. Another study reports that the number of machine learning computations required for deep learning research increased 300,000 times from the year 2012 to 2018. To keep increasing the accuracy of machine learning models, exponential increases in the amount of computing power are needed. That's what this study stated. There are efforts to begin including the training time or efficiency as a standard parameter in machine learning models. Right now, only training accuracy gets reported, typically. Only by requiring that the training time be minimized through making it a parameter that's standard in reporting models will an emphasis begin to be placed on how expensive creation of these models really are. There are ways that you can begin to help. The energy usage package from Python works on any algorithm by pulling the running average power limit from your CPU as well as your GPU. There's additional energy loss that must be considered from when your machine turns lost energy into heat. Next, the Python package tries to determine the breakdown of energy sources based on your geographic area. It does this by geolocating your IP address. The energy usage package can be run on any algorithm or deep learning process that you can code, and then doing so will allow computation of the efficiency and carbon footprint of your machine learning model. The energy usage of computing needs to start becoming as widespread as the discussion about gas guzzling vehicles. Especially with the focus of machine learning on ever increasing accuracy of models, efficiency needs to be part of the equation moving forward. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of AI Buzz. My name is Nick. I'll be back with you very, very soon with more machine learning and artificial intelligence stories. Have a great day. Bye.